going on everybody welcome to the fear being average podcast episode number 25 of the health fitness and performance series with your host brandon rinka on today's episode we take a look at the topic of generally accepted healthy habits that aren't so healthy after all so again we get to take a look at topics that the majority of the population will adopt thinking that they're actually doing their body or mind good where in reality these healthy habits aren't all that healthy and are probably causing more issues than doing your body good. So we take a look at concepts like under eating, over consuming hidden sugars, too much of the wrong type of exercise, working instead of giving your body the time and the rest it needs, gluten free, the all so controversial gluten free diet, not eating before working out to burn more calories, and of course the scale and how to monitor weighing ourselves in a healthy manner. So this is all gonna be covered on today's episode. It's a fantastic topic to look at and dissect. I hope you enjoy it. Like always, you can follow the podcast. You can subscribe, comment, share, message me directly and do everything you can to get this podcast in front of more people. Guys, enjoy today's episode. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to today's episode, jumping in today on this beautiful, sunny morning. And we're taking a look at healthy habits that aren't so healthy. And this is a very important topic for us to discuss and go over and have a kind of conversation around because there are a lot of things that we do based on, you know, endorsements, based on someone else's testimonials, based on what we heard based on you know fad results or fad diets that create a short-lived result, um, whatever it is, what, what your neighbor John is doing, that lead us down a direction that we think is healthy, but in all actuality, it's not the healthy thing for us. And it's kind of doing the opposite of what we're trying to get our body to do. And it can create deficiencies, it can create havoc within the system, it can create hormonal imbalances, it can just create a poor foundation for health. So we want to look at certain things that are potentially advertised as healthy, but in all reality, aren't all that healthy for us. And they're actually probably doing more good than harm. And there's always that kind of gray area of how to, you know, approach the middle. And some of the things you might talk about, it's not going to the opposite end necessarily, but it's finding a proper balance and understanding that just because, you know, a certain um, choice or a certain new habit might be work really well for somebody else. Um, you don't know exactly what they're, they're doing. You don't know exactly what their situation is and your body type, your gender, your weight, your history, what you do day to day, what your you know job looks like makes a big difference in terms of adopting a healthy practice and how that might be healthy for them, but might be the complete opposite for you, and you might need a completely different alternative approach, okay? So really important that we kind of take this in today. We have an open mind to kind of seeing what we're talking about here, and I'm going to do my best to give you the most knowledgeable information possible within these topics to make sure you kind of understand why these not-so- you know, healthy habits are typically deemed healthy, right? And usually it's just a a lack of understanding and a a tad bit of of ignorance or, you know, uncertainty behind a subject. So we kind of just want to, you know, dive into something without really knowing it. But this is going to help us kind of understand each of these topics a little bit more effectively and will help you make better decisions in your own life, okay? So off the bat here, one of the first unhealthy habits that are deemed healthy are or is the topic of under eating, right? A lot of people, we we know the law of thermogenesis and we know it's calories in versus calories out, right? If you wanna lose weight, if you wanna lean out, if you wanna burn body fat, you need to eat less and then you're taking in, right? Okay, so most people hear that and they go, well, I'm just gonna stop eating a whole bunch of calories. And if that's the rule, I guess the lower the amount of calories that I'm eating, the better it's going to be for me, right? Like logic kind of says that, right? If eating a little bit less is good for me, it's going to help me burn fat and lose body body weight. Well, eating a lot less 
should accelerate that result. But that's where we get into a dangerous zone, right? And when we undereat, we underconsume, right? We are nutrient deficient. We, we don't get in the nutrients our body needs to function optimally. And things that I've seen built around this are like the one meal per day kind of diet, um, intermittent fasting, for example. Like we don't really know the exact benefits, or sorry, most people don't really know what that is leading to or what the benefit is. And if their body um, can actually handle those kinds of nu- nu- nutritional approaches, right? Because one meal per day, I've done, a compl- I've done a whole podcast on this topic that you can go back and listen to, but that is a very difficult way to live life because good luck eating one meal a day with how life is just structured, right? With, at work, people kind of bringing you over for lunch. You got parties, you got holidays, you have celebrations. And if you don't stick to one meal per day, which I think is a horrible idea, um, and all of a sudden you go on a bender for a week, you're going to gain the weight and the fat back, back you know, exponentially as quickly, right? Um, and plus, one meal per day, if you're someone, anyone from 130 pounds to 200 pounds, good luck getting the caloric requirements and nutrient requirements that your body needs to function at a healthy manner, right? If we start really kind of breaking down a macro profile, how much protein your body needs, how many carbs your body needs to, you know, function optimally, you know, feel energized, perform well in the gym, perform well in life, you know, keep anabolic hormones high and catabolic hormones, you know, decreased and getting healthy fat in, which is great for obviously, you know, cell function. It is an essential nutrient. We need a lot of good healthy fat to keep our body thriving and alive. So if we're only doing one meal per day in terms of this under eating category, well, you're going to definitely miss out on a lot of target macronutrients and you're going to be really deficient. Intermittent fasting, same kind of thing. The main benefits of intermittent fasting is more from a health perspective, right? Is to kind of control your behaviors a little bit. It's not meant to be a way to lose weight and burn body fat. Like if you're doing intermittent fasting for those reasons, you're probably going to have a bounce back effect, right? Because that's not a healthy adoption of intermittent fasting. Like I said, if you want to adopt it because it's a spiritual practice, um, you enjoy the process of consuming um, your, your foods in a structured manner, and maybe you you know that you snack at night, so you want to kind of cu- have a cutoff time to that, which I'm an advocate of. But if we're eating and starting to eat at like 12 noon, and then we're finishing at 7 p.m., but at 7 p.m. or 8 p.m., this is when we kind of eat some junk food and we snack, and our, our bodies isn't performing very well in the morning because we're deficient or we lack the nutrients our, our body and mind needs. Well, that's where we run into trouble, or perhaps you know, you're not getting all your meals in between 12 to 7 because that's the busy time of day. So you think intermittent fasting is working for you, but all of a sudden you have to skip two meals within that eight or seven hour window because you're getting pulled in multiple directions. And all of a sudden that, you know, 2,400 calorie um, breakdown turns into 1,500 calories because you had to skip two meals because you didn't have time to get them in because, hell, you didn't eat from morning till 12 noon and then you got busy doing stuff so there's always so many hurdles that we need to look at and we need to understand okay how can we approach life if life you know goes a different direction than planned today and a lot of people don't have the discipline to kind of structure themselves and meal prep and do all the right stuff right so you need to think of it like that because i've seen a lot of people adopt you know approaches like this they don't work in, in the long run um, they're short term and, and you can see people are under consuming yet they have the same body weight or they're gaining body fat and they're not leaning out. And that right there is a major indication that your body's not functioning. There's metabolic damage that is going on right now. If you're under consuming, if you're eating less calories than your body needs to maintain its weight and you're having trouble losing fat or losing weight, well, guess what? Your body is not responding the way it should. Right, so you need to get your body up to a metabolic reset, and that's what I do uh, with my nutrition program, BR three sixty five Holistic Nutrition Systems. Is I have a system in place. You know, I have something that works for you know everyone I've worked with. It's it's a you know rebalancing act off the bat. It's not about taking calories away. It's getting their behaviors up. It's you know increasing healthy calories. It's getting their body to function again. 
And most people, again, because they're in this state of loss, 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 I want to look leaner, I want to lose more weight. The idea of eating more healthy, nutrient-dense foods seems like it's counterintuitive, but your approach isn't working. You're eating salads and a chicken twice a day, which is like 1,200 calories maybe, and you look the same or you look worse or you look weak and soft or you don't have the definition you should have if you're eating eating at that caloric uh, intake. Well, obviously, what you're doing is not working. You starving yourself isn't working, right? So, And even if it did work for a little bit, guess what? Your body cannot function properly at that low caloric you know, requirement right there. Not even requirement, but that intake, right? Your body needs to eat more food. It needs to have a certain amount of protein to thrive. It needs a certain amount of fat, a certain amount of carbohydrates, you know, these things are going to help your body function optimally. When you're not giving it, something has to give. And eventually, there's only one direction to go if you're eating too low and you're under-consuming, right? You can't keep going lower and lower and lower or doing more exercise and more exercise to burn more calories. Like, you have put yourself in a state of, you know, survival mode and you've put yourself in a state that is really, there's really no way to go. Uh, and the only direction at this point is to eat more and get your body back to that metabolic reset like we talked about. So when you underconsume, you know, for example, and you undereat or you you know you don't take in certain kinds of food, like let's just say, you know, grains for example, which are a good source of trace proteins. Obviously there's a lot of fiber in grains, which is you know very important for satiety purposes, for you know bodily function. Um, grains are a good source of iron and magnesium and selenium. Uh, and then dairy is obviously like demonized for whatever reason. Um, some people have a dairy intolerance. Okay, well, then that's something you'll have to avoid and you'll have to play around. But for most people, dairy is a phenomenal source of a lot of micronutrients and even you know macronutrients in terms of protein, right? We look at tons of dairy products, whether it's cheese or milk, for example, right? You know, it's a great source of calcium. It's calcium is obviously very effective for improving bone density. We see that in you know advanced aged individuals, very important, right? Fractures are a main reason people actually end up dying early, right? It's because they don't have strong bones or strong joints, and their muscles are quite weak, right? So when we have a improved bone density, we the risk of you know fractures of even happening they reduce dramatically, right? It eliminates the weak kind of brittle bones of it all. Um, you know, dairy is a great resource of vitamin D and obviously helping with bone mass. And most of these products contain, you know, magnesium, vitamin A, zinc, potassium, just really good essential nutrients the body needs to function optimally, right? Uh, and when we think about protein, especially if we're going to start eliminating a lot of food groups right now, like a dairy or the trace proteins from grains, for example, um, whether that's like lentils and chickpeas and beans, you know, in that in that category as as well. What happens is with the body, you know, obviously sarcopenia is a is a major uh, factor for advanced age individuals, right? Which basically just means age related muscle loss. So that's one thing we really want to avoid, right? And if we're having a hard time, you know, eating the foods we need to eat, and we're eliminating certain essential food categories because we think or we deem them bad, and we underconsume them. Well, now we're going to be really deficient in a very important macronutrient that's going to give our body a lot of protection and health going into an older age. And this isn't just for someone who's 60 or 70 or 80. This is for someone who's 30 and 42, right? You might not have an accelerated muscle loss taking place at this stage of your life, but it's still really important for you to build lean muscle tissue and build your body up and take advantage of you being more in in a prime state of your life where you can add a lot of lean tissue and build that protective shield around uh, around your body, right? Now, when we underconsume calories, what happens? What's this process that's going on, right? So naturally, when we're in a calorie deficit, this is a catabolic state. It is a muscle loss state. Um, we want have to be at maintenance or in surplus to build muscle tissue, right? You're not going to build a lot of muscle or build any muscle when you're not giving the body the building blocks it needs to build. So when we are deficient in calories, especially for an extended period of time, like a lot of people tend to be when they're approaching diets and new, and new nutrition plans, 
Well, they slow down their metabolism, which means that they don't burn as many calories at rest anymore. Most of the calorie burn they have to do is by manual labor, right? They have to run or exercise or work out to burn calories or they need to eat in a certain deficit to burn calories. So when we're in a calorie deficit, our metabolism slows down, which is the last thing I want the body to do in a well-functioning body. You want to have a nice, fast, efficient metabolism, right? A low-calorie restriction, um, there's an imbalanced hormonal profile. Uh, There's a negative protein balance, which means breakdown. Muscle breakdown is higher than muscle protein synthesis. Uh, muscle protein synthesis, synthesis is a response to you know working out. It's going to actually help build the muscle up, build new proteins. When we're in a deficit, there's a negative balance. So the breakdown is higher, which means, well, our muscles are breaking down and we're not building, which again is the complete opposite of what we actually want. Low calorie also supplies low energy, right? If you're moody, if you have mood swings, um, if you're anxious, you have, if you lack motivation uh, or ambition or creativity, you know, because you're not eating enough food. Like I just posted a clip on Instagram the other day with Dr. Jordan Peterson talking about it. Um, you know, he's a clinical psychologist and he was talking about you know, patients he would have and how they're you know moody and they, they have no motivation and they're low energy and they're super tired and exhausted and lethargic. And he said, well, have you ever considered the idea that you're starving yourself to death, right? And they would tell him what they ate and it was like two cups of rice a day and they were busy on the computer working or they were busy, whatever, running a business. And as soon as they started increasing their calories and eating at a normal level, whether that's just increasing like one meal per day off the bat and then slowly building up, all of a sudden those issues went away. And I think for a lot of people, they think that, you know, there's some magic pill out there where it's like, no, just treat your body like it's a human body that's 150 or 200 pounds, right? It needs food. It needs fuel, right? This is what's going to supply your body with blood flow and circulation and give you all the things that your body needs to function the the proper way in a, in a healthy manner, right? Because if you don't do that, well, what do you think is going to happen to the body? What do you think is going to happen to the mind? What do you think is going to happen to the gut? You're going to have big time issues, right? This leads to poor performance. This can lead to, you know, a negative outlook um, on your life, can lead to, you know, poor well-being, um, which is obviously all things that we're trying to avoid, guys, right? That, that's not a healthy perspective. Even if you happen to lose some weight and body fat, but this is the end result, that's a shitty place to end up right? Um, And like I said, a lot of catabolic hormones are present and a reduction of anabolic hormones. So because you're in a state of breakdown rather than growth, you know, you're going to start suppressing hormones like testosterone and growth hormone and IGF-1 and melatonin, things that like we know are so critical, so important in our, for our health, right? They help us sleep better. They help reduce stress. They help build muscle. They, you know, create a a greater outlook in life. If we're suppressing all those hormones and the neurotransmitters that come with it, the serotonin and the dopamine and the tryptophan and all those things are suppressed because we're in this stressful chronic state because we're not eating enough. Now we've really fucked up our body and mind and now we're in a big, big time, you know, cycle of shit that we need to reverse, right? So you're eating too low, you know, the body will begin to store fat because it thinks it's not going to get anything right? And that this is a big, big problem for a lot of people, right? When you're too low in your calorie consumption, the body literally starts to begin to store fat. Why? Think about this from an evolutionary standpoint. If you're out in the wilderness and you're not eating a lot of food, right? You're you're basically getting starved out there. The body is designed for you to live as long as possible. So we're going to store fat because fat's essential. We need fat on our body to to live and, and to thrive to a certain degree. So we're not going to constantly say, okay, let's get rid of all the fat and the muscle. You know, it, it's going to want to slow that process down because we're trying to keep you alive as long as possible from an evolutionary standpoint. So this is going to be the exact same thing. It doesn't know any difference. It doesn't know that, you know, we're not back in, you know, caveman days or that we're in, you know, 2021 here. All it feels and all it senses is, hey, we're not getting enough food. We need to start storing. We're not in a place of building. Uh, We need to keep this person alive as long as possible. So let's store some fat. Um, Let's stop losing weight. Let's slow down this person's metabolism, right? We can't afford to burn more calories at rest. We need to really shut that process down. So we're literally in a starvation mode. And what does a starvation mode eventually lead to? Um, It leads to overeating. Um, because fat loss, it doesn't, doesn't happen. Right. And we get sick and we get tired of the process. We're not seeing the result when we're eating like this, we're eating quote unquote healthy, 
right? Because we're not eating necessarily a whole bunch of junk food, but guess what? You're not eating enough food in general. So this leads to binging. You know, we're going to go the complete opposite way. If eating, you know, this low isn't working, well, screw this. I'm going to just, you know, go to town tonight and I'm going to eat whatever I want. I'm going to eat a whole pizza and a whole bunch of, you know, a big bucket of ice cream, whatever, right? Or I'm going to drink myself to sleep tonight. And these things happen, right? And that's a big, big trouble for the body, right? And this just leads to this yo-yo back and forth. And then what happens again, four months later, you go, you know what? I've been eating like crap, over-consuming a whole bunch of calories. You know what? I need need to go back and I need to eat less again. And we go right back into the state that we were in before, which is let's completely, you know, eliminate a whole bunch of calories. Let's eat in a crazy deficit. Let's not give our body the nutrients it needs. And we're right back to where we left off four months ago, but we forgot about it, right? Because we've been in this overconsumption for a couple of weeks or a month or whatever that we're going to go the complete opposite direction, right? Where there has to be a middle ground and doing it this way is just creating a whole bunch of issues, right? Um, and like I said, when you're in starvation mode, you know, depression kicks in, mood swings kick in, there's an electrolyte imbalance, um, and this weakness, you know, affects the central nervous system. It affects, you know, our bone health when we're not getting, uh, when we have an imbalance within electrolytes, which is magnesium, sodium, that kind of stuff, potassium. Um, and then it, this can even create anemia, which is basically not enough red blood cells in the body, um, which then does not give us, give us enough oxygen. And this leads to fatigued, weak, unhealthy state of being right? So we really need to be mindful that this isn't just affecting how our body looks. It's affecting how our body is performing and functioning. It is really doing damage to the body. So this is not just a, hey guys, let's work our way back up so we can actually start burning some body fat and building some muscle and looking better when we look at ourselves in the mirror. No, you are literally causing damage and harm to your body doing this. If you think trouble concentrating isn't an issue, it is. If you think depression and mood swings and constant lethargy and weakness and fatigue and not enough red blood cells in your system and poor circulation in your system isn't harming you and being in a stressful chronic state isn't bad enough, guys, you got to give your head a shake. You got to get out of this under-consuming mentality and you got to focus on performance and health first and foremost. My most successful clients, they focus on the health. They stop chasing a goal a specific number, a specific body image, and they focus on performance. And this, as a coach, I preach and I advocate and I focus on and I focus solely on let's get our body healthy. Let's get our body performing well. Let's get our body feeling great, right? Doing all the big bang for your buck things we can do to get you into a long-term, sustainable, successful state, right, within this health and fitness space and chasing these fast goals and under consuming a whole bunch of calories and nutrients is not getting us to that point guys. So definitely under eating is a huge unhealthy quote unquote healthy habit that we need to avoid. There might be a time and place where yeah, we under consume and we're in a deficit slightly to burn some fat and lose some weight, but this is not a place that we want to go into a dramatic deficit or stay there too long. Okay. Number two guys, too much of the wrong type of exercise and going too hard with our workouts too frequently. And what does this kind of look like? Well, it looks like the type A person that always needs to get their ass kicked in the gym because this is a, alleviates or relieves st- stress, right? I need to go to the gym. I need to get my butt kicked. I need the biggest sweat of all time. I need to get it all out. And they feel great for that hour or two. So it's very attractive because from immediate gratification standpoint, your body feels awesome. Well, naturally, your body's releasing all those neurotransmitters. You're going to have a lot of those uh, you know, good feeling you know, vibes and hormones pumping right now. You're in a good atmosphere. You're connecting. You're moving your body. There's circulation. So that, there's a whole bunch of things that are working in tandem to make your body feel this way. But then what happens when you get back home, you know, you kind of get back into that parasympathetic state where you're more calm and relaxed and all of a sudden we crash or we get beat up and we go, oh my God, I'm exhausted and we go right back to this stressful state, right? So we need to understand 
that doing the wrong type of exercise for you is actually doing more damage than good. And this is where you got to pivot. You need to navigate. You need to make, have to give up something that you really love to go in a different direction, try something different that's better for your body. There have been tons of stories of CrossFitters that love the atmosphere. They love the energy. They love the workouts. They love the high intensity. But over a course of a year or two, they completely burn out. And usually these people are type A individuals, right? They're in the scene. They're making good money, they're busy, they're working hard, and they supply themselves with this kind of like stimulation from a workout. They don't do the thing their body actually needs. They don't slow things down. They don't focus on actually putting on muscle. They don't focus on low stress workouts. They don't focus on, um, you know, restorative workouts and training practices. It's all about go, 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 and it beats the shit out of the body, and eventually, um, whether it's fast or long, they get into this chronic stressful state and they have a hard time burning the body fat. They have a hard time improving their body composition. They feel overworked. They feel drained. They feel like they can't catch up and they're in big trouble. So what is the wrong kind of exercise for someone who is like very high stress, someone who feels you know fatigued and tired and is overworked, right? Well, high stress workouts all the time. That's not good, right? High intensity where your heart rate is, you know, typically above like 150, for example. If you're in the 160, 180 zone for the entire workout, that's high intensity. That, that's, that's hard. That shouldn't be done every day. That shouldn't be done four days a week. Like you got to kind of monitor that a bit. And you got to have, like I said, more restorative sessions. And you got to focus on more building because those sessions aren't based on building. It's basically cardio with weights. Um, especially if you're doing like a full on 45 minute or 60 minute class at high intensity, that's, yeah, that's cardio with weights guys. It's not resistance training anymore, regardless if you are lifting weights because the rest periods are too short and the movements aren't going to be, um, efficient towards what your actual goal is to build muscle. Like it's just to burn more calories within that session, right? Um, power yoga would be an example, right? The power yoga is hard, man. Sometimes power yoga is the hardest session of my week when I used to do uh, yoga at Good Life. Um, obviously, with COVID happening, that kind of eliminated yoga for a while. But power yoga was just one of those things where I'm like, whoa, I was leaving there. I wasn't feeling more relaxed. I was like, that was a hard work. I'm dripping sweat. It's hot yoga. You know, that's a tough session right there. What's the alternative? Yin, right? Where the body actually gets to rest and they get to hold positions and it's focused on the breath and focused on the meditative and restorative practice. Um, that's just kind of an example, right? You know, HIT, for example, high intensity training. What's that typically associated with? High stress, lower libido levels, a lot of different issues, right? HIT is supplemental. It's something you can kind of toss in there. It's like a, it's a spice, right? You kind of just sprinkle it on top of your main course. And that's where I'll do it, you know, three or four days a week. Sometimes if I kind of feel like I want to be more in a, in a cut stage, I'm still lifting weights and doing my thing and doing proper programming, but I might add in a couple hit sessions like, okay, I'm gonna do some hill sprints after a session or later in the day, I might do some eco bike sprints, um, you know, stuff like that. I might do some sort of cr CrossFit Metcon for, you know, seven to 10 to 15 minutes max. Um, and that's that, right? I'm not doing a whole crazy session. So what's the alternative? Strength training. Of course, guys, strength training. What does that actually look like? It means you're following a program. It means that you're actually trying to get stronger. It means you're trying to put on muscle. It means that you're using appropriate rest times. It means you're not jumping between four different disciplines within a week, right? You're not doing one day of strength and then all of a sudden you do four days of hit. Like, no, you're still super stressful, guys. Like resistance training and strength training is a stress, right? It's an acute stress, but it's definitely lower stress than high, high intensity. And you can manage and monitor your weight and your effort a little bit more appropriately, right? But that's the, the path I put someone on, who's someone who's always doing these classes or doing high intensity, this or that, or doing spin co or doing CrossFit or doing group classes. And I tell them, okay, well, maybe it's a good opportunity, especially if you're not burning the body fat or losing the weight that you want, then let's build some muscle, let's put you on a strength training program, let's do it three days a week, let's make some restorative sessions take place in between those sessions, you know, let's get your body rested, feeling good, feeling strong, and let's, you tell me how you feel three to six months from now, and it's a complete game changer, right? Um, cardio all the time, that's the wrong kind of exercise, so again, the idea of unhealthy, yeah, cardio all the time isn't necessarily unhealthy from a standpoint of like, whoa, you're unhealthy, you do cardio five days a week, 
it's unhealthy from the standpoint that you are missing out on some basic principles like we talked about in, in the first topic here of building muscle tissue and what that leads to. Like I said, we, you see a lot of older older people, advanced age clients, they like to run and like to be out on their bike and do that kind of stuff. And they didn't grow up with resistance training or strength tra- training being as prevalent as it is today. And that narrative is still quite quiet, which we're obviously as coaches, good coaches trying to reverse that trend. But, you know, you see those people that are doing a ton of cardio and they're walking and they're doing a lot of aerobic type exercise, not really training their body. And what happens, right? They have sarcopenia occurs. They have osteoarthritis. They have low bone density. They have a a low bone mass, don't have a lot of muscle tissue. All those things are big issues, uh, especially for advanced age individuals. But, you know, if you're even in your 20s, 30s, 40s, you're always doing cardio, like I said, that's a catabolic endeavor. It's a categoric, or sorry, catabolic form of training and exercise, right? Like you are breaking down muscle tissue when you always do cardio. Like you're not building at all. So it's one of those things you have to be aware of that, well, there's a give and take. There's a yin and yang right here. So it's a push and pull. If you're going to do cardio, I always like to program <clears throat> like two to one strength to cardio, right? Typically for an individual. That, that's a healthy balance. So what that looks like, might be three or four strength training sessions a week. Okay, that means one or two cardio. And, and that's a great kind of balance. In other days, if you want to get out and move, okay, do something with mobility. Do something with, you know, a walking or hiking, just low, low stress. Um, not lifting weights. What's the wrong kind of exercise? Yeah, not lifting weights. And that mean, I mean really lifting weights, not just picking weights up. Now, I'm, I'm a fan if you are lifting weights within your session. That's better than just doing jumping jacks and high knees but not lifting weights to build muscle because there's a fear of becoming bulky. Here's what happens, guys. When you lift weights, you gain lean muscle. You increase bone density, and your body becomes more efficient at burning fat. What this ends up looking like is a leaner look, a stronger look, a more shapely body, a faster metabolism. You will potentially gain some weight, build some muscle, but look leaner, look smaller, look tighter, Look toned, right? How, 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 when people say, I want to be toned, how do you think you get toned? You build muscle. You don't get toned by doing anything, anything else. It's muscle, right? You know, that, that's how you look more toned, guys, is you build muscle. Again, right now, Mel, my girlfriend, at about 115, she's kind of gained seven pounds over the last year, which is great. That's what we're going for. What her body type would look and excel at is around like 130, 135, somewhere in that range. And you'd be like, oh my God, you know, put 20 pounds on this little petite girl. Her body will look even better. Like she has a rocking body right now, and you can just say, for her to put on 20 pounds, she'll look like 120. But she'll look sculpted and strong and defined, and she'll have all those health benefits that come with it. So it's one of those things that we really got to take in consideration. Am I doing the wrong kind of exercise? Am I going too hard in the gym? Because those certain things you might think, well, at least I'm moving my body, at least I'm exercising, at least I'm training. That might not be the right thing for you. What's your goal? Match it with the training style, right? Going too hard or doing too much of the wrong type of exercise that doesn't equate to your goals. Like I said, if I get a nutrition client, they tell me I have a hard time losing body fat, losing weight, and they tell me they're doing a whole bunch of classes or they're doing a whole bunch of high intensity and they're always on the go, go, go and their lifestyle looks very similar to what I'm used to with those type A personalities. It's an easy, obvious, let's do some strength training. Let's switch this thing up. Let's actually rebalance your hormones. Let's get out of this stressful, chronic state. Let's get out of this catabolic state. Let's build. Let's get stronger. Let's focus on performance. Let's you know reset your metabolism. Like, Hence phase one of my program, right? Metabolic reset. That's my main focus. <clears throat> Let's get you eating more. Let's get you out of this mode of deficit eating to lose fat. And like, you're, you're chasing a goal that's never going to be achieved. And if it does get achieved somehow, it's going to come to a nasty halt and you're going to put it all back on. Is your goal to lose the weight and put it back on? Or is your goal to lose the weight and burn the body fat and keep it off? Two dramatically different things, guys. Number three, we're jumping into over-consuming <clears throat> healthy sugars. Now, maybe I should, I, you know, you can't see me obviously, but I'm putting quotes around healthy sugars. Here's what happens, right? We think, okay, well, I'm, I'm doing great. I'm eating a whole bunch of fruit now, Brandon. 
Um, I'm doing a smoothie a day. I go, okay, what's a smoothie consist of? Well, it has banana, it has a mango, it has pineapple, and it has some, you know, almond milk or water, ice cube, spinach, whatever. I okay, great. Like it's better than having a fucking donut for breakfast. Maybe, maybe. The reason being is that's a lot of sugar. Fruit has sugar in it. So when someone's eating healthy and they tell me, well, all I eat is, you know, chicken salads and fruit, that's healthy, Brandon. It's like, well, no, like it's, it's unhealthy from a different standpoint. It's not unhealthy that it's processed. It's unhealthy that your body is consuming a whole bunch of sugar. So it's spiking your insulin, spiking your blood sugar, and you're probably not getting the macronutrient profile your body needs to excel, right? Those <clears throat> those fruits, for example, and that smoothie you just told me about, if that's one of your three or four meals that day, you got zero protein, you know, spinach. You might have got two grams of protein within that whole smoothie meal. That can't be a meal for you, right? But it's carbs, so it's going to kind of keep you a little bit fuller. But again, we're, we just got zero of what I would have wanted, which is when I work with somebody, it's always let's make sure protein's a major focus for us. Let's build up our protein requirements. Let's build up how much protein we consume. If we have, let's do it with every single meal. Let's have a, a good handful of protein here. So if one of our meals is pure sugar because we think it's healthy because it's fruit and we're told, hey, have your servings of fruit and vegetables. It's the food pyramid. We have to be mindful. So how can we substitute this, right? How can we take that sugar-filled <clears throat> big ass smoothie that's not giving us a whole bunch other than um, diabetes potentially if we do that every single day all day what we can do is you know get rid of the two to three fruits make it one cup of fruit you know berries low sugar content right a lot of antioxidants and phytonutrients um add a fat for sure to slow down the digestion slow down the spike Uh, what does that look like nut butter coconut oil avocado and then let's throw in some protein guys a protein powder works great here. Egg whites work great here. Eggs, you can crack them in. You won't even notice them. They work great here. Add some oats, add some fiber, add some grains, right? Add some flaxseed for some fiber and for some, you know, healthy bowel movement. You know, whatever works with your body here. Some chia seeds, you know, add the spinach, add the kale, add the arugula, add, you know, the greens to it. Make it more of a green with protein and then that hint of fruit to give you that extra little, you know, sweet taste to it. Don't make it a a sugar-filled diabetes smoothie, right? Um, same thing with yogurts, right? People are like, eat yogurt. I heard yogurt's good. You know, you talked about dairy being good, Brandon, earlier on. We talked about cheese, protein. You know, yogurt obviously falls in that category of dairy. Um, I go, okay, well, what kind of yogurt are you eating? Well, like these little packet ones. You look at the ingredient list, and you look at the nutrient profile of those packets, and it's like four grams of protein, 12 grams of sugar, eight grams of sugar. And you're like, man, that's a three-to-one sugar. It, it's, it's flavored with shit. Again, sugar, sugar, sugar. That's not what we want. It's too much. The alternative, organic, healthy, natural, non-genetically modified yogurt. Tons of them out there, guys. Like I get them for like $5.99, $4.99 for a nice container. Probably gives me, I don't know, three to four cups worth of, of yogurt, which can last anybody from four to seven days, right? And it's yogurt right? It's literally got just all the properties, you know, the milk, it has the, the bacteria. Um, I kind of forget the other two ingredients in there. Um, but again, it's very like, it's all stuff that comes from, you know, a cow and comes from what yogurt's made of. There's no artificial shit in it, right? It is natural. It is good. The protein content's like 19 to 18 grams for one cup. Sugar, like, I don't know, I think it's like three or four but it's like a natural sugar. It's not an artificial sugar, right? So that's amazing. We just flipped it on its head. We went from a three to one sugar to protein to a one to four sugar to protein, right? And a lot of protein. That can now be a, a basically a full-on meal to a certain extent. I'd still say add some stuff in there, but 18 grams of protein, it's a pretty successful switch from four grams, right? That's, that's, that's major right there. And on top of that, you can add in some berries and add in some like hemp, chia, flax, walnuts, stuff like that, right? Um, granola, same kind of thing, right? I'm eating granola. It's healthy. Okay, well, what kind of granola? What's it made of? Is it store-bought? Is the first two and three ingredients sugar, cane sugar, fructose, vegetable oil, canola oil? You know, that's a problem, right? Maple syrup. Yeah, maple syrup, honey, not too bad, but if that's the fourth ingredient behind three sugars in a row and three shitty oils, well, 
That's a bad granola. That is, again, it's a shitty dessert. It's a bad alternative. But because it says healthy, because it says granola, we're convinced it's a healthy alternative. We have to understand, guys, what healthy looks like. Anything with more than six ingredients in it probably has way too many ingredients. Now, unless it's like sprouted, 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 and you got flax seeds, and you got sesame seeds, and you got pumpkin seeds, and you got organic sourdough, and you got brown rice or whatever it is, right? Okay, that sounds like a pretty good profile right there. So we need to be very mindful of what our body is taking in from these sugary foods that tend to seem healthy from the outside in. You need to do a better job not just looking at the front. The front is designed with marketing geniuses behind it. They are trying to promote you something healthy. They're trying to create a different story, a different narrative. So you need to do your due diligence. You need to flip that packet on its front or on its back on this front, you gotta look at the back and you gotta look at what the nutrient profile looks like. Look at the ingredient list. Like I said, a couple easy things to look at. Does the box, does the package, um, does it have more than six ingredients? Are they bad ingredients? Are they whole organic ingredients? Okay, that should be your first check mark. Then you look at the nutrition profile, how much protein and how much carbs and how much sugar it has in it, right? Because again, that can even be misleading. It can show decent amount of protein and we don't know where the sugars are coming from. Perhaps they're whole natural sugars like maple syrup and honey or dates or per, like in the, I know cereals that have like 10 grams of sugar, but the only thing they have in it is like dates and the other ingredients are walnuts and Brazil nuts and almonds and whole grains and raisins. And so it might, you know, raisins, dates, whatever. Um, and that's where the sugar's coming from. There's no artificial shit in it, and the rest of the stuff has a great list of healthy ingredients, right? That would be a pass. So we need to be mindful. Typically, the first two or three ingredients, those are the ingredients that are most prevalent in the product. Um, that's the highest kind of amount uh, of, of the food in there. So you want to make sure that that takes priority when you're looking at it. What are the first two to four ingredients and hopefully after that there's not many to follow hopefully it's one or two to follow if that afterwards so yeah we want to make sure we're not just over consuming you know potentially healthy quote unquote um, foods but are full of these underlying sugars right like i said even fruit for example that one you're getting good whole fruit like it's not modified but it's too much of it be mindful i already told you how to pair that with your smoothie and make it more into a healthy nutrient-dense, calorie-dense, filling smoothie. That's going to give you way more of what you're looking to do, right? Okay, guys, number four, working instead of resting, right? The idea of work, 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 more is more. That mentality, that is an antiquated um, mentality and approach to life, right? I get it. People are still going to do it. People love money. They love status. They love power. They're, they're put, they put themselves in, in these positions that – they want the promotion. They want this or that, and it requires way more work. So they, they have to work. They put themselves in that position. Now, you don't have to. You put yourself in that position, but nevertheless, you still have the decision to make of, well, how much do I want to work? How can I rebalance and reshift my schedule where I get a lot of rest and recovery to make sure I'm performing at my best? And for a lot of people, they don't do that, Right. They just constantly think the solution is to add on more work or take on a new client or jump on a call or go to a business meeting or do this social gathering to build business. There's a time and place, but if you're chronically stressed, if you're you know, under a whole bunch of pressure, if you're constantly overworked, beat up, exhausted, unable to control your emotional state, you need to have the wherewithal to say, hey, this isn't healthy. Me working and making more money right now and trying to build my business is actually the last thing that my body needs or my mind needs or my, my person, who I am needs, right? And it's going to be hard because you're going to have people that don't fucking understand that they're going to pull you in different directions. They're going to tell you a different narrative and you're the one in charge. Guess what? I run a business myself too. Right, but I'm very aware of how I structure that, that that business. I don't want to be someone who runs a business who has to drop everything at the you know drop of a hat to do what I don't want to do. Right, I structure my schedule. I create balance. I create opportunities to opportunities to reset. I create opportunities to get outside in nature. I take breaks. 
my Zoom calls, you know, I, I schedule them in a certain way. You know, I don't take on more clients if I don't have the room for, if I know it's going to put me out and create havoc within my other goals and other ambitions in life. You know, I'm aware of that. It's self-awareness 101. If I don't, if I want to build and scale my business, but I don't want to do the work, I might outsource it, right? I'm just, I try to be aware of these things, right? So if you're not aware and you say, well, Brian, that's not practical for me. No, no, it is practical for you. You need to find a solution to your problem, Right? Unless you're under some sort of regime that forces you to go, 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 and they dangle this carrot in front of you, well, that's, that's your own doing, right? But at the same time, you got to figure it out because why is resting so important, guys? Think about it. Resting affects our sleep. It affects our energy, and those things directly affect our immune system. They affect our decision-making. They affect our, mute, our mood sorry, and our irritability. Um, energy, for example, and poor sleep that creates cravings. You want to, you wonder why you have bad sleeps the next day. You're craving all this food and the shitty food, and you don't want to structure and you don't want to prepare your food. That's what lack of sleep does to you, right? It creates this emotional, mental chaos, and it actually promotes cravings. It limits creativity. It limits ambition, right? Levels of depression and anxiety, they go up. Like things that just don't help the body, right? That's not healthy. Working more, making more money, building your business. We're talking about healthier, guys. Yes, those things are important to me too, but not at the expense of my health. I have that awareness. I happen to be in this industry, which makes it very easy to be aware of this because I'm constantly researching, talking, discussing taking in information of how to optimize my life. Not optimize my business, but optimize my life. Optimize who I am, right? So I need to think in terms of getting more rest to make sure I perform better, right? I could work out three times a day and you could say, well, that's better. Three workouts is better than one. But if I'm not resting my body to maximize those workouts, guess what? I'm gonna be in a state of recovery, not a state of growth. Perfect example, right? You would think more is more. More is better. No, better is better. So you got to do better with your schedule. You got to rest more. You got to take care of your body. You got to find ways to get out and escape, have fun, connect, not stress, disconnect from work, right? So you're better at work. So you're thriving as a whole, not in just one element of six, right? Because you think about your emotional well-being, your mental well-being, your spiritual well-being, your personal connections, your professional business, your financial health, physical health, all those things, they need to work in unison and harmony to be a well put together five, six tool performer, right? If you want to be a one tool performer, you want to do one thing really good and have every other area of your life go to shit, bad decision. That's some, that's some poor self-awareness right there. You might have all the money in the world. We've seen it, guys. I don't care if you have, you're making hundreds of thousands, millions, billions, tons of research showing that some of those individuals that, make, that are billionaires, they lack gratitude. They lack the ability to disconnect and create balance in their life, and they're miserable. So if you think more money is a solution or working more is a solution, figure it out. Figure out how to scale your business appropriately if this is the issue and give yourself an opportunity to be healthier and rest because working more is not healthy, guys. That is putting a Band-Aid on a shipping, on a sinking boat, sorry. right? You're trying to put a Band-Aid over some holes here. That shit is not going to stand. It's not going to hold up. You need to make sure you take care of your internal well-being so you are more productive, more capable in your external endeavors. Okay, guys, gluten-free for no reason. All right, this is something where people say, I'm gluten-free. Why? I don't know. I heard it's bad. Or <laughs> that's basically it. I heard it's bad. They don't even know what gluten is, right? So what is gluten? Let's just go into that really quick. Well, it's basically, it's a protein found in grains like barley, rye, wheat. So it's, it's like a wheat protein. So realistically, the only people that should be saying no to gluten, and I'm completely off gluten, I'm avoiding gluten, is if you are celiac, right? Uh, what does this happen? If you're celiac, what happens with gluten? Well, you have immune reactions, you have inflammation. It really just messes up the body. It really beats the body down. So you can get tested for that. Do you have celiac disease? If you do, okay, definitely avoid gluten. Perhaps you have a gluten sensitivity. So maybe you're not celiac, but when you take in a gluten product like you know bread, pizza, that kind of stuff, what happens to your body? Maybe you have bloating, you have inflammation, you have discomfort, you have diarrhea, 
Okay, chances are even if you, your profile didn't show you have celiac disease, you probably have celiac or gluten sensitivity, sorry. So then that would be pretty smart to avoid gluten for the most part. Now, if you don't have those things, if you don't respond to gluten in that manner, well, you can eat gluten. It's not bad for you guys, right? Let's really take a quick look at why gluten-free diets are so popular. There's a few of them, right? I kind of pulled up a few things which are, were interesting to me. So intuition, right? It seems like it's a good idea. People talk around you, you hear gluten this, everywhere you go is gluten-free, gluten-free. So you think, okay, my intuition says, you know, gluten's bad for me, logic. If gluten is bad for people with celiac disease, maybe it's bad for me. Well, that's pretty bad logic, but it's like saying if dairy's bad for this person, it's bad for me, or if working there is bad for that person, it's bad for me. No, or if this kind of exercise is bad for them or good for them, it's good or bad for me. No, we already went over that. It's not the case whatsoever. Your situation is different than everybody else's situation, right? Celebrity endorsements, obviously, if eliminating gluten is encouraged by someone you admire, uh, someone that you follow, well, maybe I should give it a try too. It's what influencers bank on. Well, look at me. I do this. You should do what I do, right? It lacks a lot of personal connection and empathy with what the person is actually going through and what their body works and thrives on. Um, anecdotal testimonials can be super powerful, right? You hear about someone with bothersome is issues or symptoms that finally went away because they eliminated gluten, right? That's a difficult one to ignore right there. All right, you hear people talk about, oh my God, I eliminated gluten. I feel so good. I've lost all this weight. It's happened, happened with keto all the time. Oh man, I went on keto. I just eliminated all these carbs and I lost a shit ton of weight. Yeah, no duh. You literally took away processed foods, which carbs are kind of like typically around, right? A lot of processed foods, it's hard to get processed fats unless you're doing like, I don't know what would be a processed, like a trans fat, right? But a lot of processed foods are just full of carbs. If you eliminate carbs, you're eating you know, less than 50 grams of carbs, you're going to lose a shit ton of weight. But again, what happens is people have no idea what that actually does, what, you know, what it creates, what kind of chaos it does to the body. And before you know it, for a lot of people, they're unable to and they yo-yo back and they gain all that weight back and some, right? And then marketing, right? You never underestimate the power of what these big companies do, power of persuasion. Those selling gluten-free products or books, propaganda about gluten-free can be very convincing, uh, even if there's little science to back it up, right? They can, or if they back it up with science, right? what's, what's it funded on? What's it built upon? What's it backed up by? You know, we saw Game Changers, that vegan kind of film, and it's supported by a vegan company, a guy who's creating a vegan company. Like, no shit, he's going to have a lot of resources to back it up, and he's going to pay a lot of people and put in a lot of money into giving you the quote-unquote science to back up why protein's bad for you or animal protein's bad for you. So it's just kind of craziness, guys. we got to be very mindful of that for sure. So what's the downside of not or going down gluten-free when you're not actually gluten-free, Okay. Here's the big downside. Gluten-free foods are commonly less fortified with folic acid, which is like um, a vitamin B, B12, right? Or a source of vitamin B, sorry. <clears throat> B vitamins um, and, uh, and iron and other nutrients than regular gluten-containing foods, okay? So think about that. You're gonna get more micronutrients with a gluten product than gluten-free foods sometimes because they take all those things out. Uh, and gluten-free foods tend to have less fiber, and you know, switch it up with more sugar and fat. So instead of the fiber, sugar and fat. Not a good switch right there, guys. Several studies have found a trend toward weight gain and obesity among those who follow a gluten-free diet, right? We see that, guys, even with the vegans, right? For example, they eat vegan. They don't look great, guys. They look weak. They look deficient. Um, they put on a lot of weight. You know, it's the same kind of stuff. We need to be mindful of what we're doing, what we're taking in, what actually affects our body. And we also have to be mindful from our financial standpoint. Gluten-free foods tend to be more expensive than conventional foods. If the gluten-free is actually helping your body, performing, looking, feeling better, 100% worth it. If, it's, if you're just doing it for all the other reasons and it's not really affecting your body, well, you know what? You're, you're putting yourself in a, in, a, in a bigger hole, right? From a health standpoint and from a... Financial, financial standpoint, potentially, right? And like I said, from a nutrient deficiency standpoint, potentially, you gotta be mindful, right? If you see gluten-free, it doesn't mean it's healthy, guys. Read the labels, read the nutritional profile, read the ingredient list, listen to your body, get tested if you really think you're celiac or gluten-sensitive, you know, and figure it out, play around with it. Be, you know, be mindful. If you eat something, you react a certain way, okay, what was that food? If you do it again, it happens again, well, chances are that food has a bit of a sensitivity to your stomach, right? So 
don't just go gluten-free uh, for no reason. Understand why you're doing it. Don't just go dairy-free for no reason. Don't just go carb-free. Like, guys, be smart, right? Do your homework. Do your research. Listen to podcasts like this to get more information on it. Um, really just be mindful and don't be you know, tricked by all those little trends we went over um, at the beginning of this topic. Okay, guys. Next, not eating before a workout. I've seen this happen so many times. People think, well, you know what? I want to burn more calories. I want to burn more fat. Uh, I want to eat less. We already talked about the chaos of what under eating can do to us, but we don't eat before a workout. So we go there into our workout and five, 10, 15 minutes in, we're like, holy shit, this is beating me up. I feel drained. I have no energy, feel lethargic, feel weak. Yeah. You're not, you don't have any food. You have no fuel into your system. Now, what happens here? Well, performance drops down. You have less energy. Um, you you know, potentially get less volume in, less weight move. I've seen this. I've seen clients show up to sessions of mine halfway in. They have to leave the session or stop the session. It's not an overly hard session by any means, but you know, everyone else is lasting, and they have to leave the session. So what happens? Them under eating, right? not eating before the workout, thinking that's going to help them burn fat, lose body weight, do all the stuff they want to do. Now they don't actually get the opportunity to finish my session, which is going to give them the biggest immediate result or effective result to build muscle, increase their metabolism, get stronger, look leaner. See the irony there, guys? That's the most effective thing. That's what's going to actually signal growth. They just went into a point where they signaled takeaway. They signaled take muscle away from the body, right? And they didn't give themselves an opportunity because of what they didn't eat before the workout that actually took them away from the potential of finishing the workout and all the good that came with it, right? So be mindful, right? You know, eat, give yourself energy before your workout, especially with working out, guys. This is the time before, during, after to take in the majority of your calories, the majority of your carbohydrates, a lot of protein. Let your body thrive on those things. Carbohydrates, Research is quite conclusive on the benefits that carbs have on improving your workout and performance ability. Direct effect. It helps shuttle nutrients into your system. Post-workout, same thing, right? It lowers, it creates a a positive net protein balance, right? Carbohydrates and protein post-workout especially, right? It eliminates the stress, eliminates the catabolic nature of a workout, and starts promoting muscle protein synthesis. Increases MPS, right? Muscle protein synthesis. It increases insulin growth factor one, which is our most anabolic hormone. Um, It shuttles insulin into the system. It creates uh, a greater demand or a greater release of testosterone growth hormone, all things that we want. So when we think we're doing ourselves uh, a favor, typically, like we said, this is doing ourselves a disservice, right? If we limit our body's potential to perform at a high level, that is only affecting us negatively. That's never a win, guys. Never a win for, I don't care how many calories you think you're gonna not get in or you're gonna just gonna burn the fat and you're not gonna burn the carbs. No, guys. Eat a little something for a workout, depending on how your body reacts. I can eat a big thing. Some people can eat only a banana, whatever. But don't justify not eating to have a shit workout, right? And be like, well, it's worth it. No, it's not worth it, guys. Eat what you need to show up. I love a sprouted grain Almond butter and honey sandwiches, phenomenal pre-workout for me. But that's just moi. Um, a lot of different ways to approach that, whether it's a full-on meal two hours before, whether it's you know oatmeal with some natural sugars as well. Um, but definitely make sure you get something in your body um, to make sure – and that's if performance is suffering, right? But again, I see it a lot. People are always looking for these little tricks, little like hacks to get less calories in. Why? I don't know. They, well, I do know they think that they're going to – you know, lose weight, burn body fat because they're told to eat less. Um, But again, end of the day, I want the workout to be the primary thing I focus on. That's the largest signal towards what I'm trying to create, which is more muscle, a leaner body, a faster metabolism. If anything affects my performance in the gym, I do not do it unless it affects it positively. So let's rephrase that. If it affects it negatively, I don't do it. It's not worth it to me. If it affects it positively, absolutely, it is worth the trade-off, right? What you do in the gym is the biggest signal you're going to be you're going to send to your body, okay? And then finally, guys, always watching the scale. Now, I'm going to go over this one quick because I'm going to do a whole podcast on this episode next week talking about performance focus. Um, But always looking at the scale, right? You want to focus less on the number on the scale and focus on feel, look, and your performance, right? Tell me if you get rid of the scale 
you focus on a plan that I put together or someone, a good coach puts together on strength training, on eating a nice nutrient balanced, healthy diet, a lot of good foods, proper rest and recovery, low stress, good sleep, three to six months from now, I don't need a scale, right? I don't need a scale to show that you're improving or you're getting better. If you're getting stronger, if you're eating a good, healthy, balanced diet, your body is going to look exceptionally accelerated and look way better than it did three to six months ago, right? It's just a fact, right? I don't care what the scale says. I don't care if you gained five pounds. I probably want you to gain five pounds. Why? Because I want you to build some damn mush- <laughs> mushrooms, to build some damn muscle. If you build a muscle, I am happy. If your numbers are going up on your squats and your bench press and your rows and your overhead press and your deadlifts, I am excited. I'm telling you how good you're doing. I don't care about the scale and you need to stop looking at the scale. Interesting story. I had a client lose one pound one time over like a four week period. She came back disappointed. She's like, I wanted to lose more. And I told her, your numbers all went up. You are doing more push-ups. You're stronger. Everything went in the exact direction I want you. You're eating more food and you lost a pound. Yet she was still disappointed. Right? And I said, I would have liked you to gain a couple pounds. If you lost four pounds, I would have been disappointed. Or you lost eight pounds, I would have been dis- disappointed. This is a win for us. And this just shows the power of the scale. We're so consumed with what the number says on the scale that we forget about the importance of performance, how we look, how we feel, our overall health. Those things are directly correlated to improved health, well-being, and getting our body to where it needs to function optimally and look the way we want it to actually look, guys. So get rid of the scale for a bit. Stop watching it every single day. Focus on feel, look, and performance, and you will see exceptional results. Okay, guys? So there you have it. There's the podcast today, guys. I hope you liked it. As always, you can follow me at BrandonRinka365 on Instagram or check out BrandonRinka365.com. we got a few new plans, a few new cool cool. cool business opportunities coming up to help you guys, to give you guys more valuable content, more value. At the end of the day, that's what we want to bring you guys here. This is why it's a free podcast, and we're going to try to bring you more content that gives you more value to improve your overall well-being and life. All right, guys, have an awesome day, and we'll see you in the next episode of the Fear Being Average podcast.